So I was talking to a family friend the other day, Biff, who's been married for 50 years. 50... Oh, that's that's great. 50 years. That's awesome. What, what, what is that? The gold? What, what is the 50? Like gold? Yeah, diamond? 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 And I said, what is the secret to the long, successful marriage? And he said, you got to make sure that your wife understands once a week, once a week, you need a night off to spend it with the boys. Just don't waste it on the boys. <laughs> Don't waste on the boys. <sighs> yeah, and I'm not going to say it was Paul Lacroix. Uh, I'm not going to say it's not Paul Lacroix. <laughs> um, hey, guess who I bumped into on the way home from eye surgery yesterday? Who did you bump into on the way home from eye surgery yesterday? Everybody. <laughs> Hello. Hello, everybody. This is Jacques. Why do I put up with this every time? Because <laughs> I'm sexy. Um... And, and and I'm talking to. <laughs> Why do I put up with this every time? Oh, this is Biff. It is Biff. Um, let's get right into it. First, big shout out to our friend Abby, who was on the sideshow last oh. week. Yep, uh, it's fantastic. I, I got a lot of I got a lot of great feedback from the people in Llama and some of the other people that I've worked with over the years who. I mean, it's one of those things like, you know, and, and I'm not being facetious when I say this, like recognition means a lot to people and just acknowledging, you know, what people have done, that that means the world to, to, to everybody. So, you know, so I'm really glad that, you know, um, we had her on. She was absolutely awesome. And um, and, and I would like to, you know, have have more fun guests like her on. We might. We might have our good friend Al the Toy Man. Um, <laughs> I, I I used to have Al the Toy Man listed differently in my phone before a more woke culture. Um, you know, such a racist. You, you you had a different listing in the phone. My wife had a different listing in the phone. You know, maybe maybe akin to your. Uh, your ethnicity, maybe not. But either way, it would be great if our friend Al the Toyman jumps on uh, for our next sideshow. Biff, on one hand, I'm sad to say we've we've had two really fun actors that that, that I've enjoyed uh, past this week. On the other hand, absolutely, yep. yep. Biff has two new impressions to add to the repertoire. <sighs> This is oh we both do actually so there you go, <laughs> um, yeah it was a, it was a double whammy uh, George Segal who most people know over the last like ten years is is playing uh, pops on the Goldbergs and he is just awesome he is just awesome on that show I'm a big fan I don't know if you are yeah you know and it's funny it's both with both of these people I really because I am you know a boomer and like I'm not up with the latest stuff I uh, and. You know, so I really remember them for their really older seventies and eighties work more than anything else. So, so. The, you know, the the other artist who passed, Jessica Walters, I know oh. her and I love her. For do you know the show Archer? Of course, yeah. Okay. So, so there was a precursor. There was a show called Frisky Dingo that was uh, lasted two seasons on Adult Swim, and there was about a year hiatus between Frisky Dingo and Archer, and it was all the same actors and a right, similar right. characters, just in a completely different universe, like like kind of a different reimagined thing. But she essentially played the same character, the alcoholic. Sex crazed, um, but super smart running yeah. of a spy agency. Um, 
You know, so, uh, you know, I liked her on Arrested Development, but honestly, for me, she will always be uh, Mallory Archer. Um, so it was. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's, it is weird for me because um, it, it, I, I really know, knew her in more, you know, kind of straight, more, you know, like dramatic roles. So for me, the memorable thing that she did was play Misty for me. And I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Yeah, it was, she plays, you know, essentially a kind of a, uh, you know, a stalking fan of a, a radio DJ played by Clint Eastwood, I think. And I mean, she was fantastic in it. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. But and then throughout the, you know, 70s and the 80s, she's one of these people who were, you know, uh, real um, commonly in these um, like the various TV shows and so on and generally in dramatic roles so you know it's just a you know uh, just a general surprise I guess that you know to see her be I mean it's like it's like one of those things why wasn't she doing this all along she is so funny so right? funny so, well so yeah. so the, the whole Archer thing is and Frisky Dingo we're talking about a 10-year window and then so if you're taking Arrested Development it is it's it's yep. one of those I, I think I think I don't know if we if we want to credit it to the movie Airplane, but the movie Airplane was the first time that I remember serious, serious, serious 20, 30 year acting, you know, staples, if not legends, acting staples yep. from the dramatic world, you know, took their characters and just one eighty them and like, you know, the Leslie Nielsen and I forget who was the pilot. I, I see the guy's face, uh, but uh, you know I, I know who yeah. But but always always a hard ass uh, cop, like the no nonsense yeah. cop from right, the sixties right, right. and seventies. And so it's because you look at you know, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, like these serious things that George Seagal did. But then it was yep. like the late 80s, all through the 90s. He was on Just Shoot Me, which was a which was yep. a sitcom that I, I did. I love that show. Uh, I mean, there's a well, couple- he did that. He, he did the um, that movie, one of the uh, Natalie Woods last movies. It might have been her last movie, but the, the, she did, he did that last married couple in America. Is that what it's called? I think uh, you're right. So- yeah. So, but he was he was nominated for an Oscar for for Virginia Woolf. Um, so, but it is it's like she's she was I think she hit eighty, and you're thinking it's like eighty years old going into a recording booth playing a complete horny like two or three seasons ago she had a great arc with Burt Reynolds where the main character Archer kept walking in on them fucking. <laughs> you know? yeah. so, so here's Burt Reynolds and, 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 you know, Jessica Walter and sound booths, you know, going over. It is one of the raunchy. great things about, you know, how you just everything has evolved to a point where, you know, because throughout the, you know, I, I, I guess, I guess really it was a seventies when it kind of became a reality that, Hey, people who appear on television, you know, actually, you know, have these, you know, sexual, you know, desires as much and then more of obviously more recently right i mean um you know it's it's everybody like the golden girls kind of you know allow you know kind of loosen things up and you know obviously you know we're getting better about seeing reality to some degree i mean we're still not there but you know i think management pointed out last week that i'm as old not be Arthur. I forget one of the Golden Girls. I'm as old as that actress was when she started on the Golden. The Girls. Golden Girls, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so you know, I you know, I I don't want to say I wanted to punch her in the face, but but that was that's a that's a real like oh kick in the nuts. Anyways, but yeah. so so you know we got we got the passing of a couple. You know, working yeah. actors and like, you know, yeah. our, our friend Joe likes to say they die with dates on the books, you know, vibrant acting careers. Um, so so when I looked at the rundown, 
Yeah, that Biff had. Uh, Biff. Oh, actually, no. I jumped ahead. One second. I, I just wanted to give an update. I made some goals. So by the posting of this, it will be the end of the first quarter for me. I made goals okay. with five things: with music, uh, stand-up okay. comedy, writing this script I've been working on, podcasts, the number of podcasts I wanted to do, and working out. Four of the five, I'm on pace. Like for for okay. for my. I won't mention the one that I'm not on pace for. I'll just say. I have the first draft of the script. Uh, I, I have been doing stand-up comedy with two different groups of friends once a week. Uh, you and I have been consistent doing this. And um, last weekend was the first time, and I do not know the last time, that I actually recorded drums for a new song with Dan and I. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah. So I won't mention which of the five things hasn't. It's the podcast, of <laughs> yeah. course. It's the podcast. But yeah, yeah. Which, which, by the way, I when Joe wanted to stop doing the podcast, none not only was I devastated because I've had so much fun, I, I was honestly George Lohman afraid of the new technology. And although I owned a post-production house, although I had a kick-ass editing suite at my apartment in 2001, 2003, and I was cutting commercials and comedy stuff every day, it's been almost 20 years since I've had to learn to edit. And I did, did not, I really didn't want to do it. You know, just just like I was talking, you know, before we start recording, I didn't want to write the script by myself because it's been so long and I was finding excuses not to do it. So finally, I learned to use this edit system and what I edit the podcast on. And about three weeks ago, I called Dan and I'm like, hey, that new stuff, that new song we're working on. Can you just send me like the guitar and the audio tracks and let me lay drums down to it? And he's like, oh, man, that'd be great. So it was. It's the first time in at least a decade that, you know, usually the way Dan and I work is we get together and we jam. The few times we would see each other, you know, I'm living in guitar, living in L.A., and we would he would just record it on his phone or something like that, and then he would try to program drums to close to something I did. Or he would just put his own drums in there, you know, like his synthesized drums, which is usually pretty good. But he hears songs as like a songwriter and guitarist. He's not like a drummer right, at right, heart. Right, yep. He can play drums and he's good, but it, when he puts when he puts down a track, it's usually just a straight track. There's not fills, you know, right. there's not ebbs and flows. It's, it's here it is. And, you know, credit where credit's due, summer is just fucking awesome. But this was the first time because I now know how to use this edit program that we do for the podcast. I'm like, oh, I got mics here. I got this audio system here. I can fucking do this. Um, but anyways, so enough about that. So I look at I look online. Biff had started this week's rundown. And I see Biff has listed L.A. Turn, turning orange. And I'm thinking, okay, okay. I know he's trying to bait me into correcting the color that he put on that <laughs> but i'm I like know why, you know, i'm not it falling could, it for could it. Have been, it could have been a reference on uh you know uh you know previous you know a president not to be named i mean who knows all right i mean you just don't know so tell me about tell me about my beloved my beloved city well How it's it's just one of those you know where they're talking about opening it up a little bit right so and we're currently what we call uh in the uh red tier where they're uh you know, um, we have some, you know, um, openings for a lot of things with, but with limitations. And then the orange tier basically, um, for a lot of the indoor stuff, the, all of those, um, capacity limitations are going to go away. And then, uh, for the bigger stuff like, uh, entertainment, uh, they're going to, um, increase the capacity to about 50%. So, you know, what that really means is that uh, April, 
you know if they do have you know change the uh the status is the opportunities for like you know sports to get started i mean one of the big things is that uh, uh a lot of the people ex- expecting opening day baseball to have fans so you know if baseball's gonna have fans i'm thinking hockey may have fans and i'm thinking maybe you know it's time that john starts thinking about you know where those tickets are gonna go because you know which game am i going to is really the question that i really want to ask uh, as we change to this um uh, orange status how do you feel about that? Because as we record this, 33 states over the last week have recorded spikes. At at this same yeah. time last week, like 27 states had spikes. And the week before that was like 21 states were spiking. But as more and more stuff is opening, we're at well, 33 yeah. states. Yeah, I, I will say this. So I don't, I don't know how to think about the, essentially the macro aspect of it, but... Justin, personally, uh, even though I kind of joke about this, uh, I'm certainly not doing any of that stuff until I am, you know, fully vaccinated, right? And so when I'm fully vaccinated, you, you know, I think I'll be more willing to do a lot of these things. And so I'll go to these games and I'll, you know, if I go to the games, I'm going to be masked. You know, I don't really care if it's required or not or what the deal is. I'm going to stay masked, you know, for the foreseeable future. And then, you know, we'll do, you know, Whatever. It's funny. Biff and I were talking again just before recording. In Massachusetts, the governor about two weeks ago abdicated the responsibility of opening schools to the head of the schools here because, honestly, he wants to be able to say, oh, you know, when he runs again, oh, I got the schools open. On the other hand, he doesn't want the blowback. And we talked about this a a podcast ago. The long short is they had said our school had sent out a – our school had sent out a survey and said, would you want to do hybrid? Would you want to go full remote? Would you want to stay full remote, rather? Would you want to do full-time learning? And, and we're giving parents the choices. And that was on a Wednesday or Thursday or Thursday and a Friday. Three days later, the state made the announcement, nope, everybody's back April 5th. We will not support remote learning. If you don't show up, you will be true. It was like a hard line in the sand. And at the same time, the teachers were like, whoa, 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 we're not vaccinated. It's, you know, and so my wife and I, management and I, we, we talked about it. We're like, fuck it. We're not sending the boys back. Our youngest kid, we love his teacher I, beyond love. We, you, you can't put words into how much we admire how she's taught. And she, she's older than you and I are, Biff. And she's figured out the Zoom thing and, and she gets the most out of the kids. It's wonderful. I don't want her going back unvaccinated. And the teachers' unions all said, no, you can't do this, you know, not until we get vaccinated. And then the governor says, well, there are, the teachers are horrible. He said this. He's like, they're horrible people. They're demanding that we take needles out of the arms of the 65-year-old people in assisted <sighs> living facilities. They're being selfish. It's like, Dude, you're asking them to go into classrooms with 32, 34, 36 kids, you know, and in, in, in a town like Lowell where a lot of people have, um, I want to say it right, generational living in their house where it's grandma right. and sometimes great grandma, you know, all the way down to small kids. And, you, no, you can't. Again, it's it's not the kids who are going to be at risk for the most Wait, part. It's so, bring it at home. So right so right so like la right now is what they're calling what they call phase 1b vaccination and what uh so the group of people who are in that group is 65 and older plus you know uh, uh 
specific categories of people, including healthcare, and I think including teachers. So is that that's not how it, it's working in Massachusetts or in your area regionally? Like, aren't the should the teachers be at the same level of essentially need as the you know sixty five and over? I guess they they should be. You know, at the same time. So so it's now they've now backed off that quite a bit and they're they're realizing no you you what's going to happen is exactly the news that we got today is that my son's uh teacher has she sent out a text message to all the parents saying hey I'm going to make this announcement today if you want to kind of sit in on the morning meeting with the kids I'm not coming back and and we don't blame her we we applaud her decision yep. But they they made the decision, well, we're not going to force kids back. They estimate about 50% of kids will come back. More kids would want to go back, but the town has cut the bus service in half. So, you know, people who are car challenged, you know, who rely on the bus service aren't going to get the bus service. So the same teacher. Anyway, so it's kind of a cluster. You know, I'm not really happy about that. Um, But again, you know, the, the, the faster these states open, you know, the the more people think, oh, it's open. I can relax my own personal stuff. Like you said, I mean, when they say Dodger Stadium might have fans in it, are we talking ten thousand fans or sixty? I think it's going to be well. So what they're talking about in the next tier is fifty percent capacity. So I guess whatever, twenty five, thirty thousand. You know, uh, of the sixty thousand, I think. So John, but that's that's just there. Yeah. I mean, John's vaccinated, but I I don't see him going to King Games. I, I'd be very surprised well, this year. You know, September, you know, October, and, maybe. And, and that's certainly understandable. And that means that as soon as I'm you know vaccinated, that means I'm available to take over his seat. I mean, it's really that simple. Uh, you know, one of my fun, you know, I can't call it a job. I'll call it a responsibility. Basically, this is going back 20 years. There was a series of events. And I'm not going to mention any names, but a friend of ours who has amazing tickets to the Kings a couple times forgot there were games, a couple times gave the wrong tickets to people <laughs> for, for games that have already been played or yeah. games that were, oh, here's tickets to tomorrow's game at Friday Night Hockey and somebody gets down there and they're not for that Saturday, they're for the next Saturday type thing. And so it was decided that uh, at that point, um, the ticket allocation should be a spread. Handled by somebody. <laughs> and so basically for the next by, yeah. 10 years, how many times would I call you? It's like, right, so, right, right, right. so John and I would talk almost every game day. He would go to two or three games a year. You know, he wanted to go to when the Red Wings came to town, he was going to yeah. go to the games. Of course, the playoffs or if a big name was coming to town or if he just wanted to. But I mean, we're talking in a 41 game season. There are some times I was making 38 calls and 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 the deal was, you know, John and I had an unwritten rule. If I can't find somebody to take the tickets, my fat ass better be sitting in those seats <laughs> because he didn't want them to go to waste. You right, know, right. and 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 there was there was there was a hierarchy of people to call. It was always okay, you know, you know, Paul Ruger, All Star Tommy, Scotty yeah. Black, Biff, you know, you know, Eric, you know, when he was around, you know, you would just go down the right, list, right. and then there was a second tier. Then there was a third tier where it was like, oh. Wow, do I? I don't. I know I don't really want to call, and I know Joe would rather somebody else sit there. But at the same time, it might be this person or an empty seat. Um, right. You know, there, 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 was, there, there was. I never did it. I told him I did it a number of times. I threatened to do it a number of times. I never. 
Uh, I never had the audacity, and that's coming from me, so that's saying a lot. I never had the audacity to actually scalp his tickets. <laughs> Yeah. Although I would tell him all the time, it's like, yeah, I couldn't make the game, but but don't worry, I got I got twenty five percent over face for them. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but so anyway, so so if they are gonna have people people coming back, that you know, there were times when I was in Qatar and I would get text messages and him asking for people's phone numbers. It was like, hey, can you reach out to so and so and see if they want? <laughs> you know, uh, I've told the story on the podcast a number of times. I've told the story in person. A thousand times. It is 2000, 2001. I'm working in uh, Santa Monica on the west side, and John has tickets for a game. And it's one of those things where I can't, I can't get across town to get him. He goes, I'm going to message him over. You know, don't worry. About an hour later, a courier shows up with the two tickets and the parking pass. And I call John. And I'm like, hey, um, we got a small problem. He's like, oh, fuck. Did I put the wrong tickets in there? I'm like, no, no, no. He goes, did I forget the parking? I'm like, no, no, that's in here. What's the matter? I'm like, well, there's no beer money. You're going to get cheap on me now? And when I say I would love to know who was out in his hallway, who heard the torrent rants of this drunken (laughs) sailor conjugating swears in a way that – I did to be honest, I didn't think he had the ability to. I did not think he had the ability to swear that much, that consistently, and at that volume. And to this day, I giggle like a little schoolgirl every time I think that. Because, dude, uh, he bought it. Like, literally. It, I mean, he, there was no worm. It was all hook. I baited it really good. You know, we, we should have done that, you know, taking a, a day, you know, a day off and, you know, watch him in court. We've never done that. You know, we should have tried to do that, you know, at some point. We, We've we, ha, have you never been put under the, the spotlight? Haven't you, you ever had your turn in the barrel? When Has he not deposed you on Friday night? No, I'm just saying, you know, it's it, it's kind of. I just want to see him in action as a third-party observer and not be involved. I, I think it would have been fun to just see. Hey, I, let's watch watch John work because he works in a very public, you know. I may, setting. Biff, I may, or I may not have been deposed a number of times with, um, with let's just say, a Friday night lawyer friend as my counsel. <laughs> when I can tell you firsthand... What he's put us through on Friday night, uh-huh. when it when it's go time, when it's big boy pants, when there's actually a tie and a jacket involved, you haven't seen anything. You haven't seen anything. I may or may not have been deposed once in Santa Monica, and there are three people, three or four people on the other side of the table. There's the the moderator, there's the sonographer, and there's. We won't mention this person's name. A Friday night hockey friend of ours and mine. Yeah, it, it's before we walk in. I was told, "Don't be yourself, don't be funny, don't be sarcastic." It doesn't translate. If there's a question that you aren't sure how you want to answer, don't forget you have a severe bladder problem, and we can take unlimited bathroom breaks. It's lunchtime, and the attorney on the other side of the table says. You know, okay, so we're going to break for lunch now. Looks at his watch, goes, uh, we're going to break for about 45 minutes. What transpired over the next 15 minutes, 
spiff would make your head spin. John challenged. Maybe I'll edit the name out. Our lawyer friend from Friday Night Hockey challenged everything you can imagine. Uh, I'm not sure where my client and I might be dining. I don't know how far the walk's going to be. It might be to this place. It might be to that place. Okay, well, we're making an hour. I don't know the kind of service we're going to get at the place. I don't know. If, <laughs> it, it, dude, he took 15 to 20 minutes just to get them to say, okay, come back when you come back. <laughs> you know. And there you go. And we're at lunch, and I'm like... And and we're going back over things. And I'm like, dude, it's like, basically, I'm like, that's just awesome. um, But why? Like, don't you have better things to do today? He goes, guy. He goes, I took the whole day. I calendared the whole day for this. And and he goes, left to right, he goes, I know that guy. He's 350 an hour. He's four. He's 450 an hour. The stenographer. And he's like, and and basically, I was being used in a pawn. It had nothing kind of to do with me. It was a power play between two companies I used to work with that were co- both were trying to get me to say bad things about the other place. So that I got, I got pulled into this thing, you know, type thing. And John's like, they want to fuck with you? You know, hey, I got some time. I don't cost you anything. And you, you know, going to cost them about, you know, I don't know, about two grand an hour. So I'd say, you know, I'm good for another three or four hours. You got anything to go in, you know? <laughs> Dude, and when I say well, I got out of there and I'm like, when, when I say... It was, it's not fair to say it was watching varsity play junior varsity. You know how everybody thinks, oh, this 0-16 Cleveland Browns could get beat by Nebraska State. And and you know the score would be 72 to nothing Cleveland Browns. You know what I mean? Dude, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it, it was yep. more lopsided than that. It, 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 it's like, it's like <sighs> if, if, if you could have thrown a, a white flag out, <laughs> I, I suffice to say they have threatened me for weeks to come and talk to them. They had threatened me for weeks, showed up at the office, would call, like really harassing me. And then finally they're like, I'm like, I, I talked to somebody about it Friday night hockey and they're like, just tell them to give me a call. And the next time they called, I said, okay, stop calling me, call this guy. Dude, it was like silence. It's like, oh, what? <laughs> you, you know him? It's like, yeah, I see him naked once or twice a week. You know, I always tell people that too. It's like, yeah, I see him naked once or twice a week, and and then they're like, oh, okay. And I think they thought, and and at one point they offered to, well, maybe we can just get to this office and talk about this. And he's like, no, if they if they if they if they're gonna put you under the spotlight, we're gonna we're gonna do it on the official level and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, dude, it was the best. It went like honestly, it and and it's funny because one of the old companies. Um, there was a guy I work with that I did a series of skits with on my old show in the crease TV. Right, right. And it yeah. was about this guy. And it was and the name of the skit was like Rich the Office Dick. And they kept only one lawyer could talk to me at a time. And they kept saying, um, they were whispering in each other's ear. They would pass notes back and forth. It's like, oh, were you a part of a show that had a show that was called Rich is an Asshole? Like, no. Did you? And then, like, they kept trying to remember the name of it, but they couldn't get it. So I wasn't lying under oath. And then, as we're going down the elevator, he's like, All right, what was the name of the skit? <laughs> I'm like, Oh, it's Rich the Office Dick. And I sent it to him. Like, I, you know, I like the next time in Augie, I like brought it like a DVD of it. And I'm like, He goes, Oh, yeah, I can see why those would piss him off. <laughs> you know, but, but it wasn't illegal. You know, it's like, in all honesty, it wasn't defamation of character because that guy was a real dick. Speaking of real dicks, um, 
staying in LA, I followed this comedian, um, Dante, the comedian on Twitter. Right. Really, okay. really funny comedian. Yep. Really, really funny comedian. But his entire life is dedicated every single because he can't be out on tour as a comedian right now. Yeah. He right. go he lives in Hollywood and he goes and he documents LAPD on a nightly basis. He's like a social justice warrior. Yeah. Um but he records he just hates the police. <laughs> well but he does. He'll he'll narrate yeah. it and, and, and he's smart. He's super smart. Yeah. He knows when he's not stepping over the line. He knows where he can film from and he can't. The number of times LAPD officers have come up and put their hands on him and, and, and pushed him for being across the street. You know, it was a few weeks ago. It was like, you know, five cop cars, nine LAPD officers with one black homeless guy. And, and he's like, you know, documenting right. it. And, and you know, they come over. They cross the street to come over and block him from, you know, them continuing to harass this guy and stuff like that. But he's been documenting what's been going on. And I guess, like, the last couple nights in Echo Park has kind of gone off the rails. But I, I'm, I'm only following yeah. it tangentially from him. Right. So, um, yeah, so that it's one of it's So it's your classic... You know, issue with they, they've been trying to de, uh, to address the uh, the homeless situation there um, for a while, um, and so I think there's, there's there's so many you know moving parts to it, right? But uh, so there definitely is an LAPD component to it, uh, and you know, so I, I don't know what Dante has uh, talked about, but there there's definitely uh, has been. An issue with the way they did the roundup, including you know the same old thing of where they not only de you know detained people who were, uh, I, I think they basically uh, at, at some point they um, declared unlawful assembly, kind of gave them like whatever however many minutes to clear, and whomever did not clear by that time were you know all arrested or you know something around something along those lines. But then the part of the people who they detained were also members of the media, and so obviously that was its own thing but uh i yeah so there's a lot going on over there so there's definitely um your typical you know poor behavior that you've seen from the police in you know in other uh protests but yeah this is a i mean it's a mess and there's a lot you know um there, there were there was two know. things that, that really stood out in the last three days that stood out and you've already set one of them rounding up the media yeah. they put a fence i think it was last thursday they erected a, a makeshift fence around right. Echo Park and said, well, not detaining anybody, but anybody inside the perimeter cannot leave and nobody can come in. It's like, but that's detaining people. And then the other thing is here, there are peaceful protesters on this side of the street. Right. There's cops on that side of the street. There is no rocks being thrown. There's no right, Molotov. Right. And all of a sudden, they start shooting beanbags into into the crowd. And, you know, and there's women right. there. There's, and, and then yep. you saw one guy Look, if you have a homeless guy and you got this tent and now they destroy it, it's it's truly that's everything that that guy owns. Yeah. So, you know, oh, gosh, I mean, this is going to I mean, we could talk for three hours on this, but I'll try to keep it short. I guess there's a couple things. Number one is that this is the city directing the LAPD. So there is an LAPD issue in terms of how they're managing the front line aspect of it. But this is the city's, you know, providing the, you know, the was this said you know telling the police this is what we want to do right so and so in that context uh, and i i should have done the research on this but i've been surprised at how 
Um, Garcetti has not been, you know, anywhere near this thing. Like, I haven't heard him talk about any of this. It's this, I can't remember the name of the guy who's been uh, in the front line of this, but there's this other guy. And I know I know that there's a different person just because uh, they actually have uh, created um, established protection around his personal residence because the protesters are going there. But there's really... Uh, one, one part of one big part of it is is that there's really two ways that people look at the the homeless situation right and the one is that there is a homeless nuisance problem and then there's the other way of looking at it which is that you know this is a humanitarian issue right and just too many times and clearly right this is a situation where they're looking at it as a nuisance issue and not you know something where they're not thinking about the homeless right they're thinking about this being you know uh uh whatever the people who are living around there or whatever the case may be i mean that's the focus of the issue and so it just kind of goes back we're not we're not dealing with a root problem at all like they, they talk about oh you know we've offered housing to these people but that's kind of a you know to me, a somewhat of a misleading uh, a statement because it's not like they offered permanent housing for these people. The, these people weren't provided with solutions. These people also, I don't know that these the housing that was provided to them uh, really allowed for them to essentially move there because some of them, like as you know, have pets, right? And some of them, you know, have you know, whatever the you know the case, you know, situation is. I don't think that they really provided a permanent solution for these people. If if the thing is is that listen. You can move your entirety of your life, and you know, and not be hampered in what you do by moving here. That's one thing, but I don't think that that's what's happening because I know that I read a few stories about some of the homeless uh, or some of the you know the, the people who are in camp encampments there that refused the offer of, for a variety of reasons. Like there's a curfew to the homeless uh, facility that they were offered. You know, there's a variety of things. So. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just want the direction to change to dealing this as a humanitarian issue, right? And you know, that goes to the, you know, the border, what's the so-called border crisis, right? You know, it's not a crisis because there's, you know, there's some kind of a threat. It's really there are people who are essentially in, you know, dire straits, right? I mean, you know, it's just the, it's just a different perspective in, in how you're looking at a situation. It's one of those things that we talked about with our friend Dr. Rossell, which a few weeks ago with the windmills, one of the big problems is it comes down to NIMBY, not in my backyard. And there are these... There are solutions. I, I almost I almost said simple solutions. There are no simple solutions, but there are solutions to many of these problems. And it, it, again, it, the mental health aspect. You know, why why are people homeless? What is the percentage of mental illness? What is the percentage of, you know, it, before the pandemic, I think it was fifty percent of Americans said if they got an unexpected four hundred dollar bill that would devastate their family how, right, how right, many yeah. of these are families how many of these are you know there is there's a you know um and we talked about it with our boys you know a, a number of times you know yeah a lot of homeless people have drug and alcohol and substance abuse problems and again it, 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 do they have mental illness because of their substance abuses or is it substance abuses but we're not treating you know we're not treating the symptoms we're treating you know um 
you know, all those things. But but again, when you see police acting the way they do in a humanitarian crisis with just zero empathy, and it is, it's surprising that Garcetti has, like, buried his head in the hole and let somebody else do it. Uh, I presume that this is because this looks bad for his uh, eventual presidential run is my assumption. But, you know, whatever, right? So let's move on to the next thing that you and I are both dreading talking about. And I don't want this to be a doom and gloom podcast. But domestic terrorists, um, we didn't get a full week of of addressing one mass shooting before we had another one. But I do want to take times, especially because of who my podcast partner is and who my wife is, and address what happened in Georgia. Um, I'm just going to let you talk for a little bit about this well, and your thoughts. Yeah. So, I mean, so this is a... Uh... And I guess the thing that is really uh, an issue with the uh, Asian community is, is that uh, they're so hesitant to, you know, call this uh, a hate crime, that it's racially motivated. Um, you know, there is that whole uh, that whole image of the Asian women that has that's been that's perpetuated over time as, you know, there's this, you know, this. Um, whatever you want to call it this fantasy or perception that they they have we have these um um you know um you know women who are will oblige to your whatever you know needs in general and and just over time whether it be the i think you know one of the common things that's cited is the the full metal jacket you know me so horny quote you know that all that kind of stuff right so uh and when it comes down to it you know there was you know, say what you will, this person expected because he, you know, targeted three Asian run, you know, massages and based on what he expected those, you know, those places to provide services, you know, what I'm what I'm presuming. And so, yeah, I mean, to not call this, you know, racially motivated is nuts. Now, I don't know the legal statute. So that part of it, I, I kind of get like you know there might be legal reasons why the because of the way the law is written that's fine but just you know socially speaking come on to not call this a racial you know racial you know crime is is ridiculous right I mean, I, I'm gonna jump in for a second but I want you to keep talking specifically about this one six of the eight people killed were Asian women one, right. one of the women killed was getting a massage you know what I mean so she happened to be on the table right. when he walked in there. Right. One of the one of the victims, one of the victim's husband, who happens to be uh, Hispanic, was handcuffed in the back of a police car for four hours, not yep. knowing what happened to his wife who had died. And, and again, you know, Georgia and we'll talk about this in a couple minutes in another segment, but Georgia has gone well out of its way to say, okay, okay, I understand Stacey Abrams is a big deal, and and she probably was the biggest reason Joe Biden won. I understand we sent a black guy to the Congress for the first time. I understand, or Senate for the first time. I understand we sent a Jewish guy to the Senate for the first time, but we want to make it clear that we're still a bunch of racist fucks, and with the voting thing that went less than a week after this mass shooting 
you know, they have this horrific voting thing that we're, we're talking about in a minute, and they won't label this as a crime or a hate crime. And you heard, and again, by the time this podcast drops, it will have been 10 days, you know, since it happened. Everybody has saw the footage, but the spokesperson for the police who was selling uh, COVID made in China t-shirts says, quote, you know, he, he was at the end of his rope. It was a really bad day for him. It was a really bad yeah. day for him. Now, in Georgia, he bought the gun the day he did this. You cannot register to vote and vote on the same day in Georgia because a black person voting in Georgia is more lethal than a 21-year-old you know, racist white fuck with an automatic rifle. Well, so there's there's a lot there's a lot. Then let me just start off by saying you know I don't want to, um, you know it's so easy for the narrative to say you know Georgia is this way. I mean let I I, I want to be very specific about the fact that, uh, how the police behaved is the way that. You know, the, there's two police forces at play here. I think there's one, which is the Atlanta police, and there's another one that is the county police where the first shooting happened. And so I think those two are their own stories, and they have their own... Uh, obviously, you know, the uh, the fact that uh, a victim, right, uh, that it, who happened to be, you know, you know, uh, Hispanic, is detained, you know, not knowing what his white hat, that's, that's its own thing. And that kind of, you know, that's the kind of speaking back to the, what we just talked about before this, we know whether it be LAPD or whatever, there are police forces that, you know, that do these things. That's, that's its own problem. Right. And then there is the political aspect, but then there's also, I mean, if you talk about the people of Georgia, you know, it, it is, this is not about the necessarily about the people of Georgia, in its you know entirety right because we're talking about a very diverse state and so this is the you know we were talking about part of it being the political machine and the part of it being where the you know the power you know exists within the state right that allows all this to happen so you, you know we do talk about it kind of georgia as a short speak but i think there is you know we're not talking about the entirety of the no you know, the but state, it, it, you know, and you're right, right but the, but the sad thing is biff the state is run by GOP terrorists, and I honestly mean that. You, 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 you take the two senators who won, and because a black guy got elected a senator and a Jewish guy in the past last last Thursday, they signed the most absolute racist voting restrictions in the last. 75 years and that's not hyperbole you know simple right. things like you know we saw the lines that were eight nine hours long for the election runoff in georgia you know and and you know predominantly black communities now it's illegal to give somebody water it's illegal there was a congresswoman and I, i'm sure you saw this footage you know if 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 the governor was so proud of this legislature this this bill he was signing he'd sign it in a public forum he'd sign it on tv he'd give away oh, you're the talking pen. about yeah yeah and, and so the one that was not banging on his door he, she was knocking right. she wasn't screaming yeah. Yeah, she wasn't yeah. pounding on the door. She wasn't shaking the door trying to get in. She simply knocked on the door, and this black congresswoman gets arrested on felony charges of of obstruction. He's behind the door signing this bill. She wasn't breaking down, beating the cop with a, an American flag, smearing poop on the wall obstruction. She was just knocking on the door saying, 
you know, how, how, how can you be doing this? And truly, you go through, it is, Biden said it's right. It's disgusting and it's repulsive. And this is just days after, you know, six Asian women are shot by a white dude and then, you know, one of their husbands locked up. But, you know, uh, yeah, so, that, so that's awful. But then, what was it, six days later, five days later in Colorado, right. you know, you know, another, you know, another, and yeah. it's, you know, in a district, you know, another district where there's a QAnon woman who cannot do an interview without sitting in front of her wall of guns. Well, and gosh, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know what's going on in Colorado because we're talking about hey, Columbine, right? The, uh, the theater shooting. Aurora, um, Aurora. yep. Right, Aurora, right? I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, what is it, what is it about, you know, you know, is there, I don't know if the, if it's one of those, you know, you know, coincidences or if there's something about Colorado or whatever the case may be, you know, but, you know, th I mean, that's, I guess Columbine was about 20 years ago. Is that about, is that, is that about right now? You know, I think it's a little I mean, longer than 20 years ago. Bit, yeah. I think it was pre, it was, it was pre 9 11. Yeah. It was pre 9 11. Yeah, it is not, it is in the 90s, right? So, you know, but, pretty, but, Aurora was, I want to say it was 2007. Now, yeah. And you know, that you know, I think it really had to do with the movie, right? Because that thing, that whole that whole genre of movies, I don't know. It's just I think incites psychosis and you know, maybe bad behavior. <laughs> but general, right, we're but... forgetting there was another one in Colorado. But anyways, we're back to these mass shootings. Now, yeah, you had on here the filibuster. I'm just going to, why don't you speak to the filibuster for a couple minutes? Love your thoughts. Well, so, yeah, so there's a, there, there, you know, there is, uh, so I, I want to, I want to keep it quick because it will get boring and I will not do it justice. But I think the, it really stemmed from the whole, um, uh, uh, statement that, you know, saying that filibuster, I think McConnell basically said that there is no racial history to the filibuster. And so, Really, I, I really encourage everybody to uh, uh, read and follow Michael Harriet, and you know he's a you know um, he he had a great Twitter thread in regards to this, and so he talked about historically how the uh, filibuster was used to essentially suppress a lot of these you know civil rights uh, you know bills from ever really seeing the you know you know get you know go to vote, and uh, and I think that. If if you read his um, uh, uh, series of tweets, and I think there's also an article on Washington Post in regards to it, but you may have you know that might be behind a paywall. So Michael Harriet gives you the information for free, but just, you know just the idea that a minority group can just by you know threatening filibuster can keep something from you know being voted on if you think about that aspect this is why like there's such ineptitude in congress right i mean nothing ever gets hits the floor because you know like even when and this goes on both sides you know what if you have the majority and you can vote on it you know that's kind of when you kind of pass so, things so it i don't i don't ever want to hear the both sides thing because i Yes, there are there are outlining places, or there 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 are always um, outliers where yeah, both sides have done it. However, Mitch McConnell has been the most powerful person in yeah. the United States for the last twenty years collectively. He has. Um, there's yeah. there's no but no there's not a close second. There aren't like four presidents have come and gone. Two years ago, his aides for Halloween outside of his house built a graveyard of all the bills that he's killed that year. Yeah. 
And so yeah. he brags about killing bills. Now, on two reasons. One, he pledged to make Obama a one-term president, and he failed. But his second term, he killed everything, including stealing a Supreme Court seat. That That's history. But the big point is he didn't bring bills to the floor because he didn't want his people to have to be on record for voting against gun control. Like, he wouldn't even bring something on the floor. Now, he's trying to do the same thing. Here's what I think is going to happen. I don't know if I think this is going to happen, Biff, or if I hope it's going to happen. I think I think it's, it's six of one, two dozen of the other. I believe that this terrorist organization known as the GOP is actively in a game of chicken right I now. Was gonna, I was thinking that you are going to say this terrorist organization known as Knowing You. you no, know? Yeah, that's true. I thought you, I, I thought you were going to say NRA. Oh, dude, dude, yeah, go no, ahead. No, no, I know you're a sleeper. So, uh, but seriously, I, I consider the GOP a terrorist organization. I consider you know, any, any group of people that would lobby to take away health insurance during a pandemic is, is a terrorist organization. Any group of people that lobby to get more guns of war in civilians' hands at a time you know that we're in is a terrorist organization however sticking on the filibuster i believe they're playing a game of chicken they know that biden is a creature of um of protocol of decorum of you know how things should be and having been a member of senate for as long as he did and openly saying he was not a, he was not for getting rid of the filibuster during his whole campaign and now he wants there to be stuff from both sides. He, but at the same time, Biden knows as vice president for eight years, he saw you know, what McConnell did to kill bill after bill after bill. Right now, we know for a fact if they didn't go to the fill, if they didn't go to that, what is that process called to get this 1.9 trillion, you know, the budget, the reconciliation. They went through reconciliation a couple of weeks ago. The last thing that Mitch McConnell wanted to do is this bill to go through because it's 70 percent before the bill was passed. It had 70 percent approval rating. Now that the bill has passed and people got checks in their bank instantly, I, you know, I within a week had my pandemic money in there. Um, within a week, you know, we went from one million a day to two million people being vaccinated a day. Money is going to the places that it needs to go to. It's a very popular bill. What has a, what, and they know it. They've been saying since the late 60s, if everybody votes, we will not be able to win a dog catcher election. They are banking that that the Democrats won't blow up the filibuster because of there's there's two Democrat senators who say they're not for it. Joe Biden, up until this week, has said it. The fact is they're playing chicken and, and they're holding up gun. They're holding up gun legislation. They're holding up. Um, they're holding up immigration. Here's the thing. Joe Biden has to say, fuck it. We're going to get rid of the filibuster because if he says, fuck it, let's get rid of the filibuster. Biff, the only thing that matters right now, the only thing that matters right now, and I mean this, the number one priority right now, COVID's all set, the money's already out there for the vaccinations, we're vaccinating 1% of the population a day, you know, he went from 1 million in the first 100 days, now he's doubled it, and he wants to get 2 million, you know, shots in the first 100 days, he's going to do it, gosh bless him, the only thing that matters right now is the John Lewis Voting Rights Act gets put through. Because, Biff, if the John Lewis Voting Rights Act gets put through, you know what? Yep. We're going to hold on to the Senate. 
You know what? If the, if the Voting Rights Act gets put through, and if we bust the filibuster, here's the two things that you have to do. Make voting safe and secure. Not safe and secure. It is safe and secure. Make it accessible. Make it a national holiday. Keep mail-in voting robust. Get all this shit in Georgia out of there because if, if, if Georgia's rules hold up in the Supreme Court, then Texas is going to do the same thing. But, and, and you know, and Texas we know can flip as well. But if you get the Voting Rights Act passed, you know what you have to do next? And it scares Mitch McConnell more than anything. If you make D.C. a state and D.C. statehood has started. So if you blow up the filibuster and you say, fuck you, we're going to make voting secure for everybody. The right to vote is now federally secured. D.C., you're now a state. You're going to hold out of the Senate for the next 30 years. And then you can get your Green New Deal in there. You can get immigration. You can get gun reform. If you don't blow up the filibuster, you won't do anything on, on, the, on the guns. You won't do anything on the environment. You won't do anything on immigration. Period. At the end. You know, you will not get those things done unless you control the Senate. And the only way you will control the Senate is to blow up the filibuster. And I'm done talking on that. I'm sorry. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. Like I said, like I said, I, I'm just saying, listen, listen, I mean, people complain about Congress not doing anything. You know what? Let them do their stuff. You know, you know, throw away this, you know, and or if they're going to keep the filibuster, they better go back to the old rules where you have to stay in and keep talking. None of this, you know, Dr. you, know, you can kind bullshit. of take a Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to actually literally stay and keep talking. You know, in Texas a couple of years ago, there was a woman. I suck for not remembering yeah. her name, but she put in an adult diaper. Yep. She wore comfortable shoes and she yep. filibustered for like 18, 19 yeah. hours straight. Yeah. And she successfully because the thing is, it was like the last day of the Senate before they went on recess. And if she could filibuster through the whole day, this was going to push whatever bill they were going to have go through to the next session. And, and, and public support was going against it. So they knew if they didn't pass it right now, it wasn't going to pass. And so this woman successfully filibustered the old-fashioned way. The next yep. day, the head of the state legislation says, oh, we're going to extend the session one more day. Like they broke their own rules. So that's the thing. If you, Management said it. In 2004, I was watching the election roll in with a friend of mine, and we were so upset that, that George W. won again because of all the dirty tricks and cheating. And she's like, you know, taking the high ground doesn't win you the presidency. You know, it's like if, if John Kerry wasn't willing to fight back the way that, you know, he – and that's a different story. But that's the whole thing. If you don't blow up the filibuster – you will lose the Senate in 2022. If you keep the, if you blow up the filibuster, this this 1.9 trillion dollar package had 70 percent approval rating before people got checks. It had 70 yep. percent approval rating before 200 million people got needles in their arms for COVID. Um, if you if you make voting secure, if you do all these things, look, sensible gun sensible gun um, laws pull at 90 percent approval rating. 90% approval rating don't think people should have weapons of war on the street. So even in a purple state, even Joe Manchin and, and West Virginia, Joe, you got nothing to lose by voting for this. You know, you'd have nothing. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you, if, if it's voting at 90%, that's at least polling at 60% with Republicans. You know, if every Democrat's for it, I, I don't know the numbers. Enough of this. Joe, uh, Joe, sorry, sorry. Joe. Biff, 
Biff, no. you're not that sexy. Biff, we got a lot of of the Land of the Rising Sun stuff to cover this week. A lot. Strangely enough. A strangely lot. enough. Yeah. Where do you even want to jump in? Can we jump in with Tommy Lee Jones commercial that you sent me? So yeah, you know, we're gonna I wanna I wanna just say, you know, screw it with your learn Japanese. Learn it on your own. <laughs> Go to YouTube and watch some Japanese videos. And you know, I think the best place to start, Go to YouTube and search on the on the term Tommy Lee Jones Japanese commercials, and and there are just some. And he, so he's been doing this for gosh, I think I want to say maybe a good fifteen years or so. He's been doing a series of these commercials where the premise is that Tommy Lee Jones is Alien Jones, and he's been you know basically placed on Earth to do some surveillance. So he goes through and fulfills a variety of different roles. So uh, we'll post this on the Twitter once this uh, uh, but, episode but, but, drops. But he drinks that coffee drink. It's almost like the Snickers thing. He has a Snickers yeah. bar type thing, but he has this coffee, uh, and he settles, almost, settles you know, down. It's, it's one of those – no, no, it's, it's kind of inconsequential. It's just like one of those things where like, like a lot of the times they just kind of roll it in like um, he might be – so this one particular one, uh, the premise of it is that he is a teacher – and then you know he struggles with his uh, techniques, but then you know his boss kind of says, you know what, you know, you know, you know, you got this, and hands him a kind of a can of coffee, and they drink together. It's kind of like, hey, you know, we're it's like you know, kind of like two guys drinking beer, kind of a thing, except with coffee. So, so the the coffee appearance varies quite a bit, but yeah, definitely just uh, and you know you'll go into other rabbit holes, you know. While you're there, you could also look at, you know, Arnold, you know, Japanese commercials, and there's some quality stuff there, too. So, yeah. Well, it used to be one of those things. Even people uh, – there's a famous director, I don't want to use his name, who in the United States was above doing commercials for a long time. Uh, you know, he was too good for commercials. He wasn't going to whore himself out. Why do you care out. about suppressing his name? It's up on YouTube. Uh, but, yeah. but, but Woody Allen would go over to Japan. And yeah, I know that. Just, but there were so many people who wouldn't do commercials yeah. here. But before yep. YouTube, before the internet, they right. could get away with flying over there. And, and well, there were these, these broadcast things that they said you could not air this, right? You right. know, in other countries. So there were these, you know, rights things that protected them before. So the Woody Allen thing, that's funny because it, actually he did that. He did an ad for a department chain, which is where I, my mom and dad met. So there you go. Oh, that's nice. the company that they work for. So there you go. Um, do they sell? So by the time this podcast drops, uh, you know, three days from now, it's April Fools, and I don't, I, I don't have anything big planned to be honest. Um, you know, we've had some great April Fools. You know, a couple of years ago, it was on Easter. April Fools was on Easter, and oh, right, right. management. And maybe I'll post this on Twitter if she lets me. Uh, management made a sponge cake for my mom's Easter party. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And, and her, and her mom, I, I heard about that. That was fantastic. Her mom was still with us, and <laughs> her mom fucking lost it. Like yeah. watching my mom try to cut, and it was a SpongeBob cake. And as yeah. my mom's cutting it, and of course it's made of sponges Sponge. and stuff like yep. that. That you know that that was pretty good. Um, you know, one one time our podcast dropped on on um. On April, uh, on April 1st, yeah. and I yeah. had my two boys. One of them was Joe, and one of them was me. And they did a five-minute episode of the show, <laughs> complete with the awful joke at the beginning and stuff like that. It was fun. Maybe I'll repost that. Is that is that an American thing? Was that also carried over to Japan? I it, I it, I think it's a known thing, but I don't remember it being so big there. But it is a known thing in in Japan. 
So have, have you have you either over in Japan uh, as as a young lad or or currently today? Uh, is, is that a thing around you? What the April Fools? Yeah. Do you ever play them, or do you just have them played on you? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not so diligent for things like that to actually have you know want to plan to do something actual. I mean. You know, it's great when somebody else does it, and you know it, it's executed well. But I just, I just don't care that much, and I don't want to work that hard for that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> okay, more, more, more Japanese stuff. You sent me a crime wave link, yeah. but there was nothing on it. Like I, I saw the guy oh. getting escorted out of the, out of the, you know, either police station where he was by right. a couple cops, but there was no uh, 3D animation. There was no reaction. No, no, no. This is true. This, yeah. This, but you know, I mean, once again, you know, this is, uh, and this is, this was an assault case um, where uh, this this 31-year-old uh, man was arrested for assault at uh, a train station, and apparently this has happened several times. So, you know, I would, you know, just having watched the video, what do you think the nature of the assault might have been? Oh God! Well, the only video that I saw just saw him walking away in handcuffs. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I, yeah, it's impossible to tell by the thing. So let me tell you, please. So this, this, this guy had the audacity to, in a train station, in a public train station, go up to a woman and cut her hair. Oh, I mean, now this is, this is, this is kind of weird. Around he cut like, you know, uh, what, 15 centimeters. So that's like, like what, um, like what, six inches of her hair. And so, and so, like obviously, I'm sure the woman freaks out. They say, "What the, you know, hell? Why are you cutting my hair?" Right? And then the guy was promptly arrested. But apparently, this has happened a few times in that and neighboring stations. So they think it, you know, it might be connected. Like, like you think, you know, but like a gang yeah. initiation, serious, thing or one serious guy. crimes. No, and dude, yes. If, if somebody like you know, I, it, honestly, if somebody walked up and cut like one of my boys' hairs or, or, or my hair, or gosh forbid, my wife, it's it's he would not be escorted out in handcuffs. <laughs> you know, uh, I'd be escorted out in handcuffs, and that fucker be on a yeah, stretcher. sure, uh, right, right. And, no, no, and, and not even kidding. Um, so, so another big announcement from the homeland is, I guess we're going ahead with the Olympics, just no tourists. Yep, that's what they're saying, right? And you know, so they started the uh, what you call it, the um, the, the torch, uh, the relay. torch relay, and stuff like that. So, I, you know, I they're saying that now, but um, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's it is an interesting uh, situation there where there is a significant. Uh, part of the population based on polling that seems to oppose having the Olympics this summer, you know, period. They're saying, you know, don't even bother this year either because we haven't settled down. So, and just to kind of give a perspective, uh, like Tokyo it is a, is a, at around a 400 cases a day, which has which is a bump up from, um, uh, you know, uh, from about a month ago. But 400 cases a day is kind of similar to where LA is right now. So, you know, so... I don't know, you know. How's you know, Japan's what that... vaccine rollout going? It's actually, I think it's relatively slow. Um, you know, for a variety, I think there is a couple of uh, issues. Number one being that all of their vaccines are have to be essentially procured, right? It's not like they have. So U.S. Is, has done a, you know, uh, the 
the contracts for the vaccines were secured, right? So we were essentially getting this ample supply to start with versus Japan having to essentially negotiate, you know, in competition with all the other countries who don't make their own vaccines. So, so there's definitely that. Uh, so, and, but yeah, so I think they're dealing more with more of a supply issue versus here where you're seeing like, some vaccination sites saying, hey, you know, if we have leftovers, you know, it's going to be open to everybody because we don't want to let this vaccine go to waste. So, so yeah. We, we, so it is very kind of slower, but yeah. We, we in a couple months will have probably a couple sideshows about the Olympics coming up. The Olympics is such a losing proposition for the host countries and the host cities. It's why less and less people are bidding for the World well, Cup. Well, I, I think, yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think you have to this. put a context on that, though, right? I think you have to. Uh, I think that it's not this boom thing that people, uh, a lot of these cities, expect it to be. I think it's good for places like, you know, Tokyo and LA, which already has the infrastructure. That's the right? big. Okay, they, right. see, so you hit it on the head. But when you look at what happened with Atlanta, when you look at what happened in Brazil, when you look at the only Olympics that that was in the black in the past. I don't know, 30 years, was actually the one in Colorado. And again, because most of the infrastructure was there. Colorado or Salt Lake? Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City. So, I'm sorry. Salt, Salt Lake City, Salt Utah. Lake City. I apologize. I think Vancouver did okay, again, because most of the infrastructure was there. But the reason yeah. you have the Olympics is is to generate tourism, to get people to come to your country, to come to your city, and want to come back. Without having that, you know, can and, and again, it's one of those things. It's getting the influx of dollars into your community, into your city, from outside your city. It's you know, so if if, if Tokyo, who do you what do you call Tokyo? People live in Tokyo. Tokyo. What was the term? Tokyoites. I don't. Know. I don't know. Like like Los, yeah. You know. You know. In Boston, it's Bostonians. You know what I mean. But the people in Tokyo. If the money's already in Tokyo and it's going to the Tokyo vendors and it's not going to the hotels and stuff, it's literally a losing proposition that I was hoping that they would push it for a year. You know, I, I mean, I if, it, if it's a year now, because you and I have talked a number of times, and I'm serious when I say Tokyo is someplace that the boys and management and I very much want to see. And it, it is probably on the top three places. No, the, the Mario World's not in Tokyo. I understand that. But but you guys have the super fast train. So so you know, so so we're good. But no, it's it's something that we always wanted to see. Always go there, maybe, you know, coordinate so we can go there with you and your kid. Um and it, it would be great, but but it'd be great to also squeeze in the Olympics. But you know, it's interesting that they're pushing ahead with it. And I was wondering, you know, because um I, I don't re I don't read the, the the text on the screen what the people on the street are saying. Yes, like, like I said, yeah, there is there is um, and there's been interestingly a lot of recent scandals with the uh, with the the Olympic Committee. Um, uh, you know, one of the uh, kind of the I, I don't know what his official title is, but like one of the kind of these directors, you know, based on you know. Um, some misogynistic comments was uh, removed from you know the post and replaced with a woman who was uh, who is a, a, a past Olympic medalist, and then uh, more recently one of the entertainment directors got uh, canned for some uh, another yet another misogynistic statement. Did I mention misogynistic? Kind of a misogynistic country, Japan. It's um, 
Yeah. Not, not very woke yet. Okay, so we, we've talked the Olympics. We've talked crime. We've talked, you know, April Fools and Tommy Lee Jones. Let's get to the big news in in, in, in Japan this week. The big news. The in big Japan news. Is- the big news. Saturday, two days ago, m- March March twenty sixth. Yeah, we we don't we don't we this news doesn't get to us. This this doesn't get to us for three more days. I see. King Kong first Godzilla. It came out it came out on Saturday in Japan. It doesn't come out here until Wednesday. So so Wednesday's a big day for me. Wednesday's a big day for me. I might actually I might actually go to a theater biff. I might actually go oh, see. That'll be cool. A, yeah. You know, honestly, I go to an eleven o'clock show on a Wednesday. Yeah, it's me and the boys sitting there. It's truly just me and the boys. How many people are going to be, you know, at at the movie theater? You know, and we'll go in. If there's anybody within, you know, twenty rows of us, we'll just wear our masks the whole time. Um, I'm really. But you know, it's not, it's not. It's not Japanese. You know, it's 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 even less Japanese than the Mighty Morphin. You know, Power Rangers. Godzilla will always be Japanese to me. No, Ka- no. kaiju will always be Japanese to me. Uh, I am very excited about it. We talked. It's, about it's it. more Japanese than the the you know the the garbage that was the Matthew Broderick Godzilla. But you, sh- you know, yeah, no. uh, th- that's that's the one where the eggs got hatched inside Madison Square Garden. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yes. A, a, a little less. You know what? Yeah, yeah. It's you know what you cannot call it a Japanese Godzilla movie unless there's a person in a suit in, in inside a Godzilla suit doing all the Godzilla acting. Will so, will, yeah, will no. the military will the military staff of the Japanese army in this movie be wearing the white gloves? That that's the biggest question that I have going into this. That always um, fascinated me. Always fascinated me. You know the you know who else wears uh, white gloves? Uh, taxi drivers. I don't know why I mentioned that, but in, in Japan, know. yeah. Oh, interesting. And maybe maybe the taxi drivers are really part of the military. Maybe it's part of the secret government all along. I think we got a new conspiracy to go. Uh, so so two yeah. weeks ago on the podcast, I got to this part of the podcast and I said we were going to play a self indulgent theater from our beloved Joe. I okay. I I prepped like two weeks ago. I actually did some planning and, and I decided which clip I was going to use beforehand and I pulled it off the old episode. I decided which song we were going to, you know, go out on and I had already lined it up to make the editing, you know, easier, you know, the next yep. morning. I was all excited. There's, it's a little bit of a lengthy process to post it on to Twitter because Twitter doesn't post audio files. So I have, right, to, go, right, right, I have right. to go through this third party. Uh, yeah. The website is called Headliner and I have to make it an MP3 file. Then I have to upload it onto their website. It converts it into a video file and then I upload it onto Twitter. And I uploaded it and I was very proud of myself and so the podcast drops on Monday. I upload it this Monday afternoon or Tuesday <laughs> afternoon. I get a call from Wednesday from Joe saying, hey, dummy. Hey. <laughs> I miss when he calls me dummy. Because, hey, dummy. Uh, yeah, nice job posting it on Twitter. You didn't edit it into the podcast. <laughs> it was a test. <laughs> so so, so I, I either Joe, Joe passed. passed. <laughs> Joe passed. Congratulations, Joe. 
<laughs> take a skate around. And you know what your you know what your prize is? You have won a a future appearance to a Carnival Ooh. broadcast episode. Oh, he he will be giddy. True story. He will be giddy. So without True story. So, so with that said, uh here is Joe um as Jimmy Stewart doing the the lyrics from Dan Cray's Firing Line. Oh, that was an awesome one. So Dan has a song that we're going to do called Firing Line. It's, it's one of my favorite songs. It's a typical Dan Cray love song. And uh, I would like Joe to read the lyrics to Firing Line as read by Jimmy Stewart from It's a Wonderful Life. There's nothing left to say. We, we've said it all before. It's everything we've said that's led to this. There, there's nothing left to do. We've done it all to death. There, it's time we've closed its eyes and laid our love to rest. It cuts like I'm being carved up from the inside, see. It aches like my hollowed-out gut's been packed with ice. And, 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 and that's just half of the weight of your sigh. That's why I pray they aim straight and I smile at the firing line. Whoa, 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 whoa. Was it worth the cost? The never-ending fight? Are you any better off, love, now that you've proved you're right? Light my last cigarette. My hands tied. Brush your lips across my cheek and pull the blindfold tight. Gosh darn it. <laughs> Ta-da! It's fantastic. I, I, I really liked that song before, and now it might be my favorite. And you can remix that all you want, Dan. Okay, Biff, uh, tell me all about the NWHL playoffs on NBC Sports. Well, so uh, actually I'm missing it right now, but it's just as well because – so do you have any idea who's playing tonight? Um, a couple WNHL teams. <laughs> so get this. I mean, you know, uh, so I don't know what the score is now. I probably don't know what want to know what the score is right now. But um, the, today, uh, the first game tonight is the uh, – uh, is Boston versus Toronto. Boston Pride versus the Toronto Sixes. Yeah, so uh, I think it was in the second period when I last checked the score and uh, Toronto was losing 6-1 to because, of course they are, because they're playing Boston. <laughs> so they didn't have a three-goal lead going into the third period? They, they skipped straight to the eventual, okay. you know. Right. Right. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Now, you know, obviously, you know, it's a 60-minute game. Who knows what happens? But, yeah, it was 6-1. to it's sad. Where's the game? Are all the games in one location? Have they all moved the playoffs to one bubble? So that that's what it. Ha- you know what? I didn't even check on that. I, I think uh, so. The last time they had the games at Lake Placid, so I, I kind of presumed that they were going to do the same. But you know what? I didn't. Act- I actually didn't confirm that. But and I should know this. But so. But the big thing is though, uh, not just. Uh, not just the fact that they're playing this playoffs, and this was planned from before, but uh, they're they're showing the game on NBC Sports, which means you know you know an actual TV national TV game that is aired you know in women's professional hockey. So I think you know it's really exciting. Um, you know it's uh, obviously a lot of these are going to be baby steps because you know obviously NBC Sports is you know what it is, but uh, I think it's just you know the last year's was. Um, all on Twitch, and to go from Twitch to NBC Sports is a huge jump. So, you know, in terms of anything that has to do with, um, uh, you know, promoting the uh, the women's game, and certainly at the professional level, I am all for. So, 
very excited that this this even happened. Now, do you think do you think Tim Peel will be refereeing any NWHL games? Tim Peel, you know, yeah, Tim Peel, yeah, yeah, the guy, you know. So, uh, you want to go ahead and uh, set this up for? Uh... Yeah, I, uh, I I see on Twitter the other day. Uh, I don't follow a ton of hockey, other than you know following what Biff has in the Bruins. Did we talk about that? I do follow the Bruins on Twitter. Anyways, there was a hot mic situation where essentially an NFL ref said. NHL. NHL. That's what I'm sorry. Sorry. NHL ref decided basically something we all know that refs look to give certain teams penalties. They look to give certain player penalties. They look to, I made a bad call on this team in the first period. I'm going to make a bad team on the other call in the second period to even it up, which, which frustrates you even more. You know what I mean? Back, you know, and, and, and we all know that's part of the game. It's always been part of the game. It will always be part of the game. Yep. It's another thing to hear a ref actually say it on a hot mic. Yeah. And, you know, he, and I, you know, and certainly he didn't know that he, uh, the mic was hot and it actually happened circumstantially. It was something that shouldn't have happened in terms of um, that was a point at which um, there was supposed to be um uh, I think there was some kind of a technical thing, but whatever the reason is, it's really you know saying the uh, the quiet part out loud, right? So yeah, um, I think the problem is is that number one, he said the quiet part out loud. Number two, I mean, really, this was uh, and obviously you don't follow the other teams, but this was a Nashville Detroit game, and these two these two teams are like in, are, are absolute car wreck. Nobody gives a crap about who wins these games. Right. I mean, he really shouldn't have given a crap about evening it up because nobody cares about the outcome of these games. You know, Detroit fans want the team to lose so they could, you know, try to get another good draft pick. I mean, really. Hey, how's that worked out for the Oilers? Sorry. Worked Sorry. Out. Sorry. <laughs> I, you know what? It's worked out great for the Oilers. We'll get, you know, I can, I'll talk to 30 seconds on that a little, little bit. But anyway, so yeah, so that's the first part. But one of the things that's been mentioned um, in 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 uh, in several uh, places is that uh, so so he was fired. It's not fired. He was he was actually he will not be officiating any more games for the rest of the year, uh, which is you know and so is it a big deal? Well, he was going to retire in a month anyway, right? This was going to be his last year. And when I say retire in a month, one of the things that you, you kind of have to garner from it is is that uh, how did he know that he's going to retire in a month if when the season is over? Does that you know? Did he know that he's not going to uh, work the playoffs? And the answer probably is yeah. He probably knew that he wasn't going to work the playoffs because he never works the playoffs because he's not a very good referee. <laughs> and if you know anything about NHL refereeing, they do get essentially they do get the best referees based on whatever ratings that they have to officiate the playoffs like you have to be the the top referees it's not like they just randomly rotate the referees for the referees they get the subset that they consider to be the best right and so he doesn't get the important games anyway so that's you know so kind of for a guy who's thus he was doing natural in detroit i mean but i mean he's been doing this for 30 years and he's not going to ref you know, a playoff game in his final year. I think that tells you something about the quality of his work, right? So that's the first part. What's been interesting, though, is that uh, I was watching uh, TSN um, the intermission, and three out of the four panelists 
uh, and uh, three of them being you know former hockey guys, all thought that this was the wrong move. That that the he should have appeal should have been given a second chance and be, been able to uh, you know ride off into the sunset. I'm thinking it, it is kind of interesting that uh, that me, I don't know if it's if it's a difference in Canadian culture or if it's the fact that these are players that actually knew the ref or what the deal maybe, is. Maybe that's but, it. Maybe that's you know, it. No, who knows what it is, right? But uh, I, I, I do, I do, I do find it interesting that players kind of tend to be more forgiving about the situation than like the you know the so-called observers around them. So you know, say what you will about it, but um, I don't, I don't have much on a video game review. My my thirteen year old is excited for me on my behalf that Resident Evil Eight is coming out in a couple of months. I'm not even that excited. I've been working so much that you know it hasn't really been on my radar. I will say the only news in video game world that affects me is because of the pandemic. Uh, I think I think some children and maybe China or maybe you know different parts of Asia have gotten very lazy and I only say that because I went to two different GameStops today and they're still back ordered. They don't have any PS4 controllers. He needs a new PS4 controller and they've been back ordered for months and so I don't know where these six-year-olds are spending their time. Maybe they're just making shoes but I think because of the pandemic everything is still back ordered and that's the only news I have in video game land. So, Are you sure it's not something that's politically motivated because of the way this country has been anti-China and this this is how they're punishing the, the United States by withholding PS4 controllers. You, you know what? I'm, <laughs> stranger things have happened, Biff. Uh, yeah. But I will say... Uh, but I do... I, I also have a video game preview, which is Ooh. that you know, because you you brought up Resident Evil. I bought Resident Evil 2 on PS4. I haven't you played did. it yet, but I bought it. Resident Evil yeah. 2? Yeah. Oh my god, dude. It's so, so I good. used to play... It's I so used to play the, yeah. So I used to play the original. Like this is whatever 1995. Is that what it was around there? Yeah. Yep. 1994, whatever whenever that was. I I played the original Resident Evil and got totally hooked. And then I played two, and then I started playing three and never finished it. You know that's kind of when I got real busy because uh, Y2K was hitting. I think is what happened. Oh but right, I thought, right. But I was thinking, you know, I should, you know, I should maybe try to play it. So I bought it. I haven't played it yet. You know, I will eventually try to get on it. But I'll let you know, you know, when I actually get on it that I got on it. Dude, I'm so like now I'm excited for you. I really am. Like, <laughs> I, you know, five will always be, you know, my first love. Um, but two was great. Seven was great. Six was good. Four was okay. They'll probably redo four in a couple of years because it still had. They reissued four a couple of years ago, and it still had that tank control sort of thing mm. like the guy had to move his whole body to see what was behind him versus fluidity oh, but but two is great two is really 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 great oh i'm excited for you uh i, I truly am so the biggest thing in in the past week for me outside of well no the biggest thing for me in the past week i'll be honest sack snyder's justice league finally finally was released after three years briefly I will say a couple things. Um, it, you know, it lasts three years to watch it. Is that that's what I heard? It, it, they, they, uh, I might, I might do a sideshow on, you know, you know, maybe I'll edit this part out, Biff. Uh, we're not sure what's going to happen uh, with recording a sideshow today. I might end up recording a sideshow 
about Justice League with, with my friend Sam on it. Long story short, everybody everybody got confused. So for the record, Zack Snyder did not get fired off of Justice League a few years ago. Zack Snyder made a three-picture deal, as did Ben Affleck, to do Batman vs. Superman, Justice League, and then a third movie. Zack Snyder's production partner, his producer on all his films, is his wife. 75% plus through the shooting of his movie, their only child passes away. Their young, their young oh, daughter passes away. That's horrible. So he stepped away from the project. Somehow, right. somehow it spun out of control that he got fired from the job. You know that that was the word. Hey, did Twitter have anything to do with that? So, so they bring in Josh Wheaton. So Josh Wheaton, over the last year, it turns out might not be the nicest guy. Uh, might not be the best to the female <sighs> actors, actresses. I will say that's kind of news. I mean that we're learning about. You know, that said, I've loved his work. I've always loved his work. I, I love, you know, what he, I mean, he's done great stuff with Marvel, Firefly. You go down his resume, almost everything he's done, I love. So he came in and he reshot some stuff. He shot some new stuff and he put out his movie. The movie I like, I, I like, I really like the Justice League. I know I'm biased. I say that right up front. I know I'm biased. I know it had some flaws, but I liked. Ben Affleck. I love him. I think ben he's Affleck? great. I think he's great. Ben Affleck. I honestly, uh, Ben Affleck. You know, I, I, yeah, you know what? I, I rag on Ben Affleck, but I, I gotta say he's not as bad as Val Kilmer. Nobody is. I mean, that when, when the bar is that low, like honest, you could be in a big budget. You know. Anyways, so I like Ben Affleck, but. So so well, no, I like Ben Affleck in other things. So just so, not this. No, no, I loved him as Batman. I really did. Anyway, so so trying to stay focused. So Zack Snyder for years, for the last three years, people were saying we need the Snyder Cut. That's seventy five percent of the movie. The pandemic hits, there's a footage there, there's no content, and finally HBO Max makes a deal with him saying, Well, why don't we release your cut? And I listened to a really good interview with him, and he said, post houses are, are – there's no work coming through the doors. Graphic artists are sitting there waiting for stuff to do. We we don't want to take advantage, like, you know, kick people when they're down, but but we can get stuff done. What's really funny is he had to do some reshoots, and because of COVID laws, because of lockdowns in L.A., he shot part of this big-budget movie in his backyard. Like literally in his backyard. Um, and so people have been cl- – this is the first time I remember, and, and maybe you you know of a time that I don't, where fans have called for something like this and actually got it. Now, there's been TV shows that got canceled that people have done writing campaigns and saved shows. But this is the first time I remember that the ground swelling was so big. And the thought was, okay, you might have not liked Josh Wheaton's – Thing. You might like Josh Wheaton, but you might not like what he did here. But he came in 75%. He did this, blah, blah, blah. But wait till you see the Sack Snyder. And there was – maybe it's going to be two parts. Maybe they're going to do six one-hour episodes because he had enough footage. They were saying he had enough footage to do six one-hours. Maybe they're going to do an HBO miniseries like they did with WandaVision and all these other things now. Maybe that's what HBO Max will do. And they ended up saying, no, we got this four-hour cut of it. He, he cut it down to four hours. I, I will say very much right here, right now, I really, really loved 
the movie is what I want to say. <laughs> However, well, and, you know, it's okay. It's, well, I, I, was, I will say that um, in this context, I, the, the fact that it's four hours, I think is fine, right? Because, you know, four hours in a movie theater is pretty brutal, right? But four hours watching at home, right? So I think in that sense, I, you know, I see no issues with that. Um, uh, but I'll be honest with you, um, God, I had a real hard time with Batfleck. And I don't know that I could sit through a four-hour movie of Batfleck, even though this one is probably a little bit easier because of the other characters. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's almost. So here, here's a couple quick takeaways. Like I said, I'll probably do a podcast on this. Yeah. Um, the, I'll give you management's takeaways. Zack Snyder likes himself the slow mos, and <laughs> and at one point she said, "Holy fuck." This would be a three-hour movie if it wasn't for the goddamn slow motion. Slow <laughs> about four days, about four days ago, and I'll go back through my Twitter timeline and repost it, and, and I'll CC us on it, or I'll add us, whatever the kids say. Somebody actually did a frame-by-frame count. Ten point like six seven percent of the movie is in slow mo, dude. Oh my god, ten percent of the movie. Wow. Like like of a four hour movie, ten percent right. of it, you know that's, 40 minutes. that forty minutes, four hours, twenty twenty four minutes. Dude, it's painful. Now, granted, the big bad guy throws a punch and he has these fangs on his fingers or or these these like you know like claws, and Superman leans back and you almost see him claw his face off. Awesome, completely. Okay, one. Maybe two of the superhero pans where they're all seven of them are walking up to fight the back. Fine. But every third shot that should have been a three second shot was this 14 second, 15 second. And it's like, so he, did Zack Snyder like grow up watching Six Million Dollar Man or something? I mean, is that what happened? So I liked it. Uh, yeah, I will say, yep. two of my favorite scenes were, were Josh Wheaton ones, and he didn't use any Josh Wheaton film. Oh, he right, didn't right, use right. any, and there's a there's oh, so a, that's kind of how you could tell. I there's see, a very yeah. fa- see Josh yep. Josh Wheaton. What he does great is banter and dialogue and witty dialogue and yep. snappy dialogue yep. and levity. But there's a very famous comic book artist named Art Ross. Not not the Art Ross that you and I love for the for the trophy. Okay. And, right. and 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 Josh Wheaton's version of Justice League, the opening scene. With Batman on top of a roof, it is a come to life still of an Art Ross picture. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's, oh I see. Right, dude, right, right. It's right, so right, beautiful. Right, it. It's like, yep, it's, yep. and then there's a scene in his where all the superheroes are at the Batcave and Aquaman starts talking about how he likes being on a team that he used to say he didn't care if he dies, but he has stuff to live for and he's young and he wants yeah. to do stuff. And it's like, I like having friends and gosh, you're beautiful. I mean, you are, you are beautiful. And everybody's trying to make him stop fucking talking <laughs> because he's sitting on the lasso of truth and he didn't realize it. And finally Batman gets his attention and he really, cause he just told like Wonder Woman how beautiful yeah. she is and how much he loves being these guys and all this. It was very funny. But that's not in there, you know. So it's it's less funny, it's longer. I like it. Look, I'm glad. I'm glad that the studio said, "Let's put it out there." I'm glad that Zach and his wife got to finish his project. I will say, you know, there was there was two or three scenes that weren't in there that I loved. There was a couple scenes in there. I don't know if you know who Martian Manhunter is, but 
they introduce nope. him. He's in he's in a couple scenes. He's supposed to be a big character in the next movie. So I get you're introducing yeah, him, yeah. but unless you're going to go ahead and make that other movie, it's like, well, here's like 10 right, minutes right, of right. film where I'm going to introduce this guy and then you're never going to see him. He doesn't have anything to do with this movie, anything to do with the battle. He shows up to say, oh, well, I'm glad you guys got together because what's coming next is going to be even worse. Okay, I got to go. <laughs> you know, It's like, all right, so maybe Maybe, maybe, you know, Affleck comes back and he does it. Now, even though this is going to be another Batman movie, you can have two Spider-Man out there. You can have two Batman. I'm fine with it. I will say that the Flash movie is now getting a lot of um, a lot of people more excited because okay. in this version, Flash is probably the biggest character. Uh, he's a big character. He's a lot bigger in this than he is in the other one. So, so that uh, I also wanted to say I saw Coming to America. Uh, it was really good. Are you an Eddie Murphy fan? Are you an old school Eddie Murphy I, fan? Oh no, I actually I've I've so essentially I think that there is. So I love Eddie Murphy, and I think you know over the course of these years he's done a lot of great movies. But I think there is that Eddie Murphy that was the edgy Eddie Murphy that I absolutely adore. And then he, I think he became like tried to be every man's Eddie Murphy. I wish you know when he kind of nutty and, you know, professor, you could, right? I think to some degree you could say something similar about Richard Pryor, right? Where he was, he, you know, when you want to be the kind of the the you know the person who is uh, for everybody, then there is a certain edge that you loved about that per, you know person. But I think that certainly Eddie Murphy, I think, is um, supremely like. Even though he was monstrous for that period, I think in retrospect, I think he's somewhat, you know, underrated um, because I think he is, you know, generally fantastic. What's What's interesting is seeing all these interviews over the last few months because of Coming to America too, and seeing how he's looked at by the by the black acting community and by the black comic oh, community. Yeah. It's it's honestly when you see somebody like Michael Che on Saturday Night Live do interviews almost in tears because he can't believe he got to work with Eddie Murphy. You know, and so I just bring it up. I, so a few weeks ago, management and I watched Coming to America, which I never watched. And it was great. We watched Coming to America, Coming to America, which was great. I want to say I picked it, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. There was an outtake as the credits were rolling. Uh-huh. And and if you didn't see the movie, a young kid had to sneak up on a line and pull whiskers off of him. And then later in the day, he's in the big hall and Eddie Murphy's standing next to him. And it's not part of the movie, but he's holding up the whiskers and he starts going, you know, I snuck up on the lion. I got his oh, whiskers. Go. And Eddie Murphy, and, and this is an outtake, and Eddie Murphy is smiling and then looks at him and goes, wait, that that's my thing. It was such, yeah. he was yeah. so, this 20-year-old black kid yeah. knew, he was quoting a routine yep. that came out 20 years before he was born. Yep. 
Yep. And it yep. took Eddie Murphy a second to realize he was he doing does. the ice cream thing. <laughs> yep, ice cream thing. Yep. And, and my wife had forgotten that. And uh, oh my god. Well, and she she right. She thought she goes, oh, I've seen that in another movie, and she remembered where she saw it recently. It was in like Miss Congeniality. Um, okay. Oh, I forget the actress who starred in that, but she was like, you know, you think yeah. I'm pretty. You wanted to, and it was the same cadence. Yeah, Sandra the Bullock, same, right? Thank you, thank you. Yeah. And so I played the ice cream routine for. And oh, just the, the look of Eddie Murphy had of like, damn, like like this kid was twenty years yeah. in the making when you know when when you know he was you know he's minus twenty when I did that bit, and just and 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 it took him like I said, I like the movie, but that. 10 second outtake at the end of the movie during the yep. credits just just really it just really made me happy uh, I saw a couple other movies this week that I would there's a movie on Netflix called I Care A Lot um, okay. it's about a woman who works for a company where she preys on the elderly who might not have a lot of family but she might she 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 finds an old lady who's maybe 75 years old who lives by herself and she'll get that woman's doctor to say she has dementia so that uh, she can basically imprison right. the woman, right. separate her from her family so her son or daughter who right. comes once a day to take care of mom all of a sudden shows up one day and mom's gone and before she knows it, oh, well, mom's in this assisted living facility and we had to take her house. And it's a big company that she works for. Um, she ends up taking the wrong person's mom, uh, uh, played by Peter Dinklage. And okay. I would really like somebody to point out something that Peter Dinklage has done that he's not fucking awesome in. He is, yeah, he consistently great, right? And 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 in this, dude, he's fucking scary. Like yeah. like like I'm like I I shit my. He's he's not quite Joe Pesci and um, right right. And I'm a clown. I amuse you. But dude, he's up there in this. He's he's good. The other movie that I saw that management really wanted to watch, and I think it's getting like some Oscar buzz. Um, oh, uh, oh, fuck! Promising young woman. Okay. Promising young woman. It's about a woman who goes to bars, pretends to be shit faced, like falling down shit faced, and gets okay. and, and and lets guys take her home. Okay. And then it doesn't go like they hope. Then then it doesn't go like they hope. Um, it's it, it has a couple harsh moments in it. Um, it ha nice. it has a couple harsh moments in it. Uh, I will say, I really loved it. It it was huh? it was really it, you know promising young female. I think it's called uh, a couple actors in it that you might know. Uh, I forget the main guy. He's a he's a com a comic. Um, Bo something that narrows it down. No, but anyways, it dude, it's great. It, it, it that's either on Netflix or Amazon Prime. Um, you know, I care a lot. It's a kind of a tough watch, and at one point, yep. I was mad at management for making me watch it. <laughs> I, I was like, I, I didn't. I don't like when. I don't want to say why I didn't like it. I'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. But uh, but that's have you watched anything good? NHL hockey. <laughs> Come on, it's hockey season. It's like, and I have the NHL package, so like I'm like but just yet basically you watching hockey. With, with the NHL package, can you watch King Games? That's the funny thing, right? Uh, yeah, I get to watch King Games when it's on NBC Sports Network. Thanks a lot. Is the you know? So there you go. So I mean that. So I just, sad. I, yeah, seriously. 
And this is not the first time the Ducks or the Kings have had problems being able to broadcast their games locally in the last 20 years. Yeah, well, it, what it, well so it's, I don't want to go too much on it, but basically I had a plan. But then during the pandemic, um, Hulu and Sinclair went into a kind of a, um, uh, a standstill in their negotiations. So Fox Sports West prime ticket was dropped from Hulu. And so I had cut the cord with the plans of if I have these things, I am all set. And well, suddenly the plan no longer worked. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for nothing. Uh, it is 2006. I'm living in Marina del Rey. And you remember when I lived right by the pier? Right, 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 right. There was a bar. There was a sports bar directly across from the loft. Like my, my loft window looked right down. I could see maybe okay. three yep. and four bars called Hanano sports bar. Okay. I went out my, you know, you would go out my front door, you turn left, one house, two house, two houses down with Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols. The next building over was the Whaler, you know, another okay. sports bar. And the Ducks are in the conference finals. Okay. Game wasn't on Sounds local right. TV. Game, you, there, there was no right. local coverage. And, and this is a sports bar that had all the sports packages. But they couldn't get the game. So, like I said, it's not the first time that that those two teams have had problems. I just can't imagine in Boston. Well, yeah, I think back then it was to... on versus. Yeah, yeah, it, right. It, thank you. It, was it versus? Or, yeah. And the funny thing about versus, stay with me. Up until six o'clock, it was the Outdoor Living Network. Well, well, no, it's, it used to be the out, Outdoor Life Network. Life Network, and then uh, so, and it, and so when the NHL first got on, it was the Outdoor Life Network, and then about however many months, you know, they thought, well, it's goofy to have the NHL because that was the biggest thing that they had now, the NHL right. contract. You know, they turned into the you know uh, into versus, and then eventually got bought out by NBC. and nobody had versus like like those two sports bars. Sports yeah. bars, actually sports bars. Um, yeah, you know, may, maybe next week when we come back, you'll have a review of the new Anaheim, uh, the Mighty Ducks move or show. Oh, you don't have Disney Plus. I will not be reviewing. Maybe we it. do. We do. Have, we do have Disney Plus. Okay, good. So you're not you're not Philistines. Now, what is your parenting I'm tip? I'm not going to watch that garbage. No, you can't. Well, so my parenting tip of the week is, you know, as a parent, you know, I mean, you kind of. Uh, raise your child and then a lot of the times the child end up ends up liking a lot of the stuff that you like but eventually accept the fact that you know what they're not going to kind of keep that same love and passion for the stuff that you like and i'm telling it to you Jacques, because there come might come a day where your kids say screw with this costume you know i'm going to be a grunge rocker i'm good with that yeah, i'm a grunge something. rocker <laughs> Or what if they went to, I'm going to be, whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm just saying, you know, that could happen. Anything you want to share with the class? Has has, has your youngin sprung? Well, well, it's not so much a disappointment as much as, so, you know, there was a period where, um, you know, my son and I would go to these concerts together because we had similar tastes in music. But, you know, where I have not outgrown my 14-year-old self, you know, listening to heavy metal music, my son has outgrown that that stuff. So he's beyond. You know, it's kind of past that music now, and he's listening to other stuff. And I'm still listening to heavy metal music. Thank you very much. Oh well, that's it, it, you know that just happens. But yeah, you guys, you've yeah. taken him. Uh, you know, you've gone to, uh, gosh, you've gone to, uh, got on planes and gone to these big metal festivals. That that's this is true. Yeah. You know? So yeah, there you go. 
Uh, so my parenting tip of the week is, you know, make sure your kids uh, are careful what they wish for because they might get it. I was watching a movie with, you know, the oldest kid the other day uh, called Captain Fantasy. It's an interesting movie. Um, okay. Guy raising his kids truly off the grid. And they're all, you know, I don't, he must be, I forget if they ever really say, but he can run classics for, run classes for the 17 year old son in quantum physics. They all speak like seven languages. But as a a family, they go like rock climbing. They literally live off the grid in the woods. And it's it's, it's, it's a really good story. It's a really good movie. But our oldest son basically said, you know, he wished, you know, we were more disciplined like that. That, that you know, when we homeschooled that we weren't, you know, that zealous with it. And that, you know, every day they start with like a five-mile run up the hill, you know, from dad <laughs> down to the seven-year-old. And I'm like, you know what, dude? We have slacked off, as I said at the start of the podcast, for the five goals that I set out yeah. for the year. I'm on pace for meeting. I'm on pace, and and I set lofty goals. The workout one, yeah, January was a pretty good month, but the last couple months, and again, because I'm doing other things more and working more, but those are excuses. So this week, I moved the drums into the other room and made space and ordered um, more boxing stuff. So we have a 140-pound heavy bat coming, new gloves, new headgear for him, and it's like, you know what? You are right. We've been we've been saying when it's safe, when everybody's vaccinated, we will go back to jujitsu and go back to boxing. But you know what? Why wait? Just like the dad in the movies, I will be more disciplined. We will do it together. He right now says he he's excited for it. But, you know, when we record in two weeks, I'll have an update to see how it goes. So parenting advice. I just feel like this is an excuse for child abuse. That's what I'm saying. Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent no yeah. i'm saying it right now i will also say i got a pretty good lawyer on my side <laughs> you know? um i'm i'm all done I, I i will i will i will end my part of this by saying yep uh i i did pre-plan this week's song from my brother zebulon the the john hunt roddy murphy experience uh it's a song okay. called biltendo sleeves snyder we had a roommate a great kid he uh-huh. had some people at college, in, in the six years we were all there together, there was about a third of the people who know him as Bill Tendo, about a third of people <laughs> who know him as Sleeves, and about a third of people who know him as Schneider um, from one day That's at a like, time. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know? yep. and, and there are people who've been in classes with him, who've been on long car trips with him, who don't know his real name. Like, he, he will forevermore be, 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 be either Snyder, Sleeves, or Bill Tendo. Uh, they wrote this amazing song about him. And with that said, I turn it over to you, Biff. What? <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if we put this in the rundown, but you know, don't forget... I'm not dragging you in that ridiculous band halfway across the state just so you can get a piece of ass, all right? Besides, women don't go for banjos. They go for guitars, like Van Halen, like old Van Halen, not new Van Halen. You know, like Running With The Devil or The Cradle. We're rock! Thank you. 